Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your trusted resource for the latest strategies, tactics, and tips on running a high-performance sales development program. Sales development has grown to become a critical part of the success of high-growth companies, and we dive in each week on how to specifically make your program successful and accelerate your career advancement. Subscribe at iTunes, YouTube, and jump on the newsletter over at 10pound.com to make sure you never miss an episode. CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I have a return guest. This is something we don't do often, but when we do, it's huge. Mr. Daryl Prail, the CRO of VanillaSoft. How are you today, sir? My friend, I am doing splendid. And thank you for having me back. I have to ask, no one else was available. You were desperate. I'm the pinch hitter. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> no, you know, back by popular demand. I mean, you're, you're in the marketplace doing, you know, a lot of talks from your yacht, I believe. Or, or no, your lake. That's, that's right. Yeah, the SS Minnow. But yeah, carry on. <laughs> and, you know, in all honesty, though, people just love, you know, the content that you put out and they get a lot of value. And, and I really appreciate you coming on. A lot has been going on with you and, and you know, within the industry. So I want to dive in. Daryl, recently, you know, you went from CMO to CRO of VanillaSoft. And that, that's a, quite a jump. You know, the CRO position you know, something that's got some, some mis- mystique about it. And I just wanted to get your thoughts. You know, how did you make that transition? And, you know, what have been your experiences with that so far? Well, it all starts with having some really solid blackmail material on those who make the right, you know, decisions <laughs> on staffing. It's amazing what you can get when you really apply the levers. What are my thoughts on that? Okay, taking notes. Yeah, exactly. They're both, so note it. Stay away from Daryl. Do not give him anything to take pictures of. Yeah, it has been a journey. You know, I didn't certainly, I did not, when I joined VanillaSoft, I did not set out to be the CRO. I have done sales numerous times in my past. I have been a a VP of sales twice, but by mission, that was well over a decade ago, my most recent sales leadership role. And that was mostly because my bias is towards marketing. I just enjoy you know, it sounds stupid, but what I liked about marketing was that there was, <laughs> there was no weekly, monthly, quarterly quota. So it was nice to not have that. I mean, we had different quotas, right? We had quotas for lead generation or what have you, awareness, but it wasn't the stress of me hitting a number. So that was probably why I advised myself. But also the market has changed, right? The kind of CRO you need today would be very different from a position like that 10 years ago or even five years ago. You know, the evolution of social selling, just the pure importance that your technology stack plays in the process. I mean, think about selling now, right? You know, before we used to buy lists once upon a time. And if you, and how you recorded a call was you had a suction cup against your handset, right? And then I'm not making this up, kids. That's the way it used to be, right? You remember, right? You used to go to the local radio shack and you'd get the little suction cup to go on the handset to record a call. Whereas, (laughs) you know, now, you know, the tech stack is marketing automation with, for the marketers, going down to sales engagement for the SDRs or the BDRs, going down 
through CRM for your account executives. You've got things like conversational analytics, which is using AI to document inflection points, missed opportunities, buzzwords. It's telling you what you should or shouldn't said. You know, sales engagement alone really wasn't a major play five years ago, but now it's it's just part of every single sales stack, which of course is what VanillaSoft does. You know, it, you've, the emergence of AI, the emergence of and the importance of LinkedIn. Historically, LinkedIn was just a place to go to put your resume so the recruiters could find you, and then you set it and you forget it. Now it's it's there. And then, you know, with COVID, you've had the emergence of all of these micro communities, whether it's Revenue Collective, Rev Genius, Thursday Night Sales, you know, the list goes on. So everybody is, the tribe has come together and all of those skills, all of those skills require not only sales, but they actually do require marketing. So in some regards, you could say I'm trailblazing a little bit. You don't see a lot of marketers become a CRO, or you could say this is just a recognition of how the role of the CRO has changed and evolved. One of the things that was really interesting is when, when I took the job, my CEO was adamant with me on, on a particular aspect, which I thought was very forward-looking, and I don't think I would hear many CEOs say this. And he said, Daryl, I need you to be a CRO. And what I mean by that is we need to backfill you with a director or VP of sales and a director or VP of marketing and let them handle the day-to-day execution. A CRO needs to see the big picture. A CRO needs bandwidth to see the strategy, to develop those strategic relationships, to coach those who are leading the others. He goes, you need two lieutenants, but I need you to be a general. And I thought that was really kind of interesting. It was, it was to me, it was the, maybe the most defined I'd ever heard that, you know, the VP of sales is truly one-on-one with the sales rep or the CRO can be the one working the board, looking at long-term, you know, acquisitions, strategic relationships, but also look at the benchmarks, look at the best practices, see how the team holistically is working. That's a big thing that's also changed, right? Is, is how the journey has changed. Now, marketing and sales, where one ends and the other begins, it's a blur. When I see SDRs criticizing me because they claim they have better open rates and their subject lines kick my subject line's ass, then you know that line is blurring. And you would know this because of what you do at 10Bound, right? When I see SDR teams, you know, one in three now report to marketing as opposed to sales, that line has blurred. So I think I'm probably at the right time at the right place. And this is an opportunity for us. And I'm excited and I'm scared shitless. And I have slept in a month and it's overwhelming. And it's like, where the hell do I start? That's hard to believe. I mean, if you look at, because the video's on, this is audio, but you, you look great. I mean, so rested, relaxed. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Makeup is a wonderful thing, David. Well, you know all about that. <laughs> Got to get that pancake, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, you got now it. okay. So this is so interesting. I mean, this is an exciting opportunity for you. And when I think of the CRO, it's the entire funnel, you know, for, like you said, things are blurring. So the CRO is in charge of, of everything from start to finish, as far as bringing money in for the company. Whereas in the past, it was just sort of a glorified VP of sales, it seems. Correct. And so how do you go from a CMO to CRO? What's going to be your game plan What's your strategy? Let's give it away to all your competitors. Let's give it, I'll give it away. And you know the reason, you know why I'm going to give it away? I'm going to give it away because I'm just executing what other people have already done. So 
when we were in discussions, because all these discussions start with the, com- you know, there's always a conversation saying, so Daryl, just spitballing here, just talking out loud. I'm thinking maybe we're ready to hire a CRO. If I was, would that be maybe something you might have interest in? And, you know, that's how the conversation all began. So before it became official, I had to, of course, there was a conversation saying, well, if we do this, if Daryl, we give it to you, what would you do? What's your game plan? And if it's really stupid, then forget this. We ever talked to you in this conversation. It's done. (laughs) And so I did what everybody else does. So guys, I'm just like you. I went to Google and I searched what, you know, CRO, 90 day, 100 day plans, you know, and yeah, CRO, what does it stand for? I like that one. What the hell? He's talking CRO. I don't know what he's talking about. Chief rebate officer? I don't know. Okay. I did that. And then I went and I picked up the phone and I reached out to my extended community. I talked to a variety. I talked to people like Mark Hunter. I talked to people like Scott Lease. I talked to people like Jeff Bajoric. I talked to all these people that I trust. And I said, here's what's going down. What do you think? And I got all these different perspectives, but there was an overriding theme. And so this is my plan based on that input. And also based on what I got on Google, I have a 90 day plan. And the first 30 days is literally situation assessment. The next 30 days is what I'm calling rip and replace. And the next 30 days is what I call, you know, roll it out. So what does that mean? So I'm coming to the, as of this recording, I'm nearing the end of my 30 days. And so in the process of what I've done there is I've, I've literally interviewed every single employee I acquired on the sales side because I already knew the marketing people clearly. So every single employee had anywhere between a 45 to 90 minute conversation I had. That was a lot of conversations. And I had a standard questionnaire. In the end, I ended up having 17 questions on my questionnaire. It was pretty divided into three. And it was for, I needed repeatability. So I, I could have a true test across the board that was somewhat consistent. The first third of the questions would ask them just questions about who they are. So I understood the person that I was inheriting. The next third of the questions would kind of ask questions around just sales, sales. Now, in a handful, five or six questions, you can't get a lot. But it'd be stupid things like, you know, okay, just tell me, who do you think you sell to? And by the way, just don't want to give much away, but I never got the same answer ever, ever, ever. And that's a problem. Then it would be things like, okay, so that's who you sell to. So then why why would they choose VanillaSoft? And again, I got a couple of the same answers, but they were kind of like, so what statements, in my opinion? Oh, well, we use the Q. And this Q technology we have, which is different from the list approach that SalesLoft or Outreach or others use, is dramatic. But saying just, oh, we use a Q means jack shit, means nothing to a prospect. I don't know what the Q is. So that was insightful. Then I'd say things, okay, well, if that's who you sell to, and that's why VanillaSoft, well, people don't just buy from a company, they buy from people. Why you? And I would hear over and over again, well, I believe in a consultative sale. You know, I'm there for them. I, I champion them. So I'll circle back to that. I asked a handful of other questions. And then the last sort of the questions were where the marketing in me came out. And my biggest frustration was we were making all this great content to support sales. And I never fully felt like sales embraced the content we were making. So while it was doing a great job to establish my personal reputation and the company's reputation and our brand, I felt like they were ignoring it. But I was a CMO and, you know, my counterpart in the sales side would say, no, 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 we're, you know, we're consuming it. So I asked the following questions. I would say, okay, uh, curious, in the last six months, <laughs> name one blog that we wrote that really resonated with you. Anyone. 
And I said, oh, by the way, in these questions, if you want to, you can say pass. And I would get nine times out of ten, I get pass. Okay, what's your favorite podcast from the inside, inside sales show? Right? Pass. Uh -oh. Oh, what's your favorite webinar we've ever done? Pass. Or if I didn't, you pass. Yeah, it'd be something like, yeah, oh, it's Delaney, right? The Delaney. And I said, that's because you just Those called those stay, leads right? last week. That's your, your, just admit it, right? Well, yeah. Okay. Who's your favorite guest we've ever had in anything we've ever done? Well, Delaney. Again, because you were calling the leads last week, right? So it was interesting. interesting. So then I, do, okay. I did a, a stupid thing. I did a stupid thing, which was really telling. I said, okay, you're on a call with a prospect. They say, I have this problem. And you say, well, isn't that interesting? Let me tell you a story about so-and-so, a client of ours who also had that problem. I said, so that's the setup. I'm like, yep. I said, okay, tell me a story. Any story about any problem that we've got a great story to tell. Just anything. Go. And nine times out of ten, what I get was, well, we had a productivity problem and then, you know, VanillaSoft came in and now we're better. And that was kind of the story I got. And I'm like, okay. So I left all those interviews going, uh-huh. And then I listened and I sat in on a whole bunch of calls. And then I had all my knowledge and, the, and, this, and I'm going, okay, I see what's going on here. We desperately need the following aspects. And you'll love this because we were referencing a lot of your research and as well as research from people like Topo. You know, we didn't know our product well enough. We needed product knowledge. In other words, the Q. Well, what about the Q? Why does the Q matter? How would you explain it? We didn't have great sales skills, in my opinion. When I say sales skills, I mean like, you know, how do you open a call? When do you use an open-ended question? When do you use a closed-ended question? What's your discovery process? How do you handle objections? You know, how do you map an account? Who's the economic buyer? Who's the technical buyer? Who's your internal champion? Who's your veto? How do you change your message? Do you know your ICP? Do you know the personas? Do you know the terminology, right? Can you name drop? Do you know all the content that we have related to that industry or that prospect or that persona? so that you can resonate and connect and be relational. And they told me that they were all consultative, but when I listened to the SDR calls, the way SDRs were doing was they were going through a process of fundamentally doing BANT. They were, they were almost ignoring the prospect because they really needed to get the budget, the authority, the need, and the timeline. And, I, and I'm listening to this and I'm freaking out because I'm going, they're, they're putting out gold that you could go explore, but they were so focused on activity and on, on getting their checklist so they can hand it off to the AE that they missed their opportunity. And when I listened to the AEs, what I heard was a lot of product pitches. I didn't hear anything consultative. Now I'm generalizing. And every sales organization have these challenges. So it is not unique to VanillaSoft, which is why I'm sharing it. But once I understood my challenges, that allowed me to say, okay, I've done my situation assessment and the new and improved organization needs ongoing regular product training, ongoing regular skills training, ongoing regular social selling development. And so now we have five hours a week, every single week, minimum committed to training. Sometimes there's more. I bring in guests, speakers, et cetera, but it's, it's five hours a week that are that's gone because they're being trained in some way, in some facet. And I restructured the team. I said, okay, we need to truly move from an, you know, a largely inbound model to where our AEs are very much outbound, account-based approached, and our SDRs are handling the inbound and they're working with marketing to do the qualification. I implemented complete ABM. Now we're rolling that out now, but ABM is new for us. 
So as far as restructuring the team around the verticals, we needed ABM. So we needed to find lists. It wasn't like we're going fishing and, you know, Daryl's got great content out there. Let's just harvest the leads that are coming in. No, it was like we need to be intentional. So these are some of the things we had to do, which leads me, you know, now we're rolling that out all of this week, literally. And some people are getting promotions. And then I'm hiring. We didn't have any dedicated full-time solution engineers on staff. I'm hiring multiple solution engineers. I just posted something on LinkedIn. If you're looking for a job, I'm hiring them right now. You heard it here first, kids. So it was, you know, identifying the strengths and weaknesses of the team. That's what I'm doing. Now, the next 30 days is what I'm going to literally rip out every single cadence, email, template, script, everything we have and re-optimize it with the right messaging as opposed to some generic messaging by vertical so that we have the right tools. And it's also going to change their workflows. So they know when they can send an automated email and when they need to personalize that email. They, and it's going to change their mindset about how to use tools like LinkedIn to actually target accounts or when you get into the account to identify other you know, sister accounts, sister divisions, other people I need to be talking to because maybe I can make this a bigger deal than, than what it is. So that all happens yeah, in the second 30 days. And then the final 30 days is when we just like, just, just be nonstop hammer. Okay. Let's keep on working the sales skills. Cause theoretically they'll have been working it for the last 60 days for that point. But now we're just going to fine tune and optimize the message, how they open a call, when they send, you know, which cadence they, they put a prospect into when they decide to personalize, what do they say? What's your email subject line along the way? A part of the training part of that is what we're calling book club. So book club is when we do, we have two book clubs now. One book club is when every single week we actually as a group all agree on a piece of content. So maybe we, we take a session from a recent online virtual conference from 10 bound where somebody spoke and then we all consume it on our own time, not on company time, but during book club, which is company time, we share our findings and lessons from it. Do we agree? Do we disagree? We do the exact same thing in book club with our own content, our own created vanilla soft developed content. Daryl had a conversation with Benjamin Dennehy, the UK's most hated sales trainer about this is how you open a call. All right. Listen to that podcast, that webinar, read that blog, whatever it might be. And in our book club, we're going to rip that apart too. So the, and the last thing was we went nuts on communication. So everybody went to work from home. So I had to make sure because that, that virtual, that pit was gone. I couldn't have anybody ringing a, a gong because there was nobody there in the office to ring it or to hear it. So really getting them used to using Slack to really just share, share, share and making it safe. So in some of the Slack channels we had, I actually kicked people. I kicked my CEO of many of our Slack channels as an example. And he was like, why? And I'm like, it needs to be safe. They need to say they can disagree with you. And they're like, he's like, okay. So there's an example. So that's what we've done. That's the 30, 60, 90 okay. day plan. Now that's a lot of work, man. I, <laughs> I'm tired just thinking about all that. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. How do you monitor whether you're driving it forward? Because the CEO is probably just like, hey, CRO, I just want the R. 
Like, I don't care, you know, well, if they're lazy, but I don't care what you're doing as long as, you know, we're up and to the right, you know, with the revenue. But for you, you're implementing all these things that sound amazing. How do you, how are you planning to monitor the before and after with the training, so, the, 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 yeah, the yeah. cadences, the da 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 So two, two, well, there's more, always more than two, but two big considerations here. The first thing I did when I did take on the CRO, CRO role, so beyond I had my sales team and I had my marketing team, which were always there, I made two additional teams. One is sales enablement. So I have a dedicated team now of people and all they're there is to you know, coach and enable. And for many companies out there, you're like, yeah, we've already got that. Well, you know, we're not a big company. So to have you know, all these people and resources now committed to doing that, that's a big thing. The other thing we did was we made a revenue ops team. That's, you know, to answer your question. So I've got three people right now and a bunch of contractors. And all they do is they manage the stack and they do all the data analysis. So like everything we're doing, and I look at, you know, for example, one of the considerations is activity. You know, we're doing a lot of funnel math. So we have benchmarks, again, from all the major players, including yourself, about, you know, what's a typical industry average or a best in class or, you know, based on a company in this revenue size or this revenue size or this revenue size, you know, as you move from an MQL to an SQL, from an SQL to an opportunity, from an opportunity, you know, opportunity to a proposal, proposal to win loss. So at every step of the way there, we know all the industry averages. We also know what our average deal size is historically. We know what we want it to be. We know what our targets are. So we're working backwards and saying, if these are our targets, you know, then based on these varying average deal sizes and these industry, you know, averages on conversion rates throughout the funnel process, you know, how much deal, how many deals do I have to have? I work backwards. If I close one in four, as an example, then I have four times as much activity and I'm moving the team away from an activity focus. They can be far less activity. I measure on outcomes. That's all I care. So maybe one has a lot more activity because that's how they work. One has more. They spend more time researching. They have bigger results. But I measure on these outcomes. And we baselined everything to start. So we pulled all together the data. We baselined it. And we put our plan together so I can go to every single team leader and every single vertical. And I've said, this is what I know is the data, industry average and best in class, and where we are in between there. And based on this, this is what you and your team need to do. And by the way, if, you know, shall we say a certain conversion rate from step one to step two was 23%, but best in class was 29%, and we're at 21%, then I can say, well, A, you're not near best in class, and you're actually under, you're below average on the industry average. So we need to at least get you to 23%, then let's get you towards the 29%, you know, so iteration working with sales enablement to do that. And RevOps are monitoring all of that. So that's how we know we're making progress. But perhaps the most important way to answer your question here, and how do I manage the R for revenue, is this way. And this is the biggest skill that a, a chief revenue officer needs. In fact, this is the biggest skill that anybody with a C-level needs, but the revenue especially, is communication. So I've gone to every single stakeholder. I've gone to the head of customer support. I've gone to the head of customer success. I've gone to the CEO. I've gone to all the stakeholders. And I said, what do you expect? What do you need? Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to make mistakes. You know, I have this new role. What mistakes, what sins did sales produce before that I should avoid? And by the way, I'm going to mix things up that might affect you. So I'm going to communicate anything I'm doing. So for example, when I went, when I posted the sales engineer solution, I went to my head of support, my head of success. And I said, heads up, 
there's a good chance somebody from your team may apply for my job. I want you to know this in advance. I'm not poaching anybody, but if they apply, it's because we're trying to hit revenue. And they're like, no problem. This shows positive movement within the company. Not, not to worry. Great. So that's communication. With my CEO, what I did was I said, listen, we're changing how we sell. We're going from a largely inbound model, smaller seat counts because of our SMB, and we're going to move upstream more to the medium, larger seat counts, ABM, very tightly focused. AE is going to be much more outbound. That means for three months at least, I'm going to have a dip. And the reason I'm going to have a dip in my revenues is because I'm going to tell my reps to ignore to not chase those onesie, twosie, three seat deals that they chased before. So they can focus on bigger ass deals and get a new rhythm going, a new normal. So revenue is going to drop. We will not see the ultimate impact of this until six months out. But so months four, five, and six, we should see it trending up again. Are you okay with that? And he, he did the math and he goes, well, it's not ideal. He goes, but yeah, you're right. No, it comes to the cost that we want to shift. Yep. Okay. I'm good. So I communicated expectations and now I've got runway for myself. Most people skip that step. Holy cow. Okay. So I'm thinking of you in pipeline reviews with people. I mean, that's got to be the most brutal thing. How are you feeling about pipeline reviews as a CRO? Well, you know, <laughs> we're getting there, right? We're, we're, we're early on into this. We're, we're, we're almost through the first month of my 3069. So I really haven't had to tackle pipeline reviews to the, for the most part, but my RevOps team is already ramping up for that. What I have been doing though is literally just yesterday, I was listening to a webinar I did a few months ago with Jeb Blunt, which is all about the one-on-one. What do you do on a one-on-one? What should the employee do? What should the manager do? So I'm going back and listening to my own content with the industry experts to say, what do they recommend? Just as a refresher. And so, so that when I do the pipeline reviews, if I did the one-on-one rights, the pipeline reviews should be self-fulfilling, should be straightforward. Well, that's another thing we had to do in the RevOps team. We had a, we had a federation of technology. And so we needed to implement one coming back in. So now we're rolling salesforce.com out across the whole company. We won't actually have many users of it, only our AEs, and that's it. All the SDRs will live in vanilla soft. But the reason we're doing that is so I have everything plugging in. I have my HubSpot plugging in. I have my Zendesk plugging in. I have Churn Zero plugging in. I have vanilla soft plugging in. I got G2. I got Navigator. I got Trust Radius. I got Terminus for the ABM. All of this is coming in. So when I'm doing pipeline review on the Salesforce product, that's going to be the dashboard that I can drill down from a high level to the details behind it to the actual deals. That's going to give me lots of power and visibility to see what's going on and to coach and a mentor. But it all starts with a one-on-one. So I'm trying to make sure I get the one-on-one right. We used to spend an hour every single one-on-one. You do the math. If you've got 10 reps, that's 10 hours a week they're doing for one-on-ones. That's crazy ass. So we're trying to make sure we get the one-on-ones right, which should lead to the right forecast review. Pipeline reviews. And then I got a question for you. The old content, you know, you're, you're producing this massive amount of content and there's so much gold in there, but it's just kind of unmined, you know, it's, it's, it's just digital dust, you know, settling on it. So tell me more about going back and mining through there to get all this amazing content, not just for the sales team, but also for marketing purposes. Well, I mean, that's part of, you know, one of the things we do, believe it or not, is we get everything transcribed and or captioned. And that's a lot of how we do the mining. So 
when I go back and I look at old stuff, like, you know, I know the content because we produce most of it. And or usually when I start watching it for the first few minutes, like, oh, I remember this conversation, you know, in I go. So for me personally, the transcriptions are awesome because then I can do wildcard searches, et cetera. I've had numerous times where I've, I've had to give speeches at events like 10 Bound where I go back and I said, I know we did a session or two or three on this with, you know, speak, you know influencer A or in, influencer B. And I go back and I, and I consume my own content first. And that often is what I repurpose in my public speaking. It's fantastic. I'll be honest with you because I, I already know the content. That's also why I was grilling our sales reps to say, how well do you know the content? They need to know it. So that's the first thing we do. The other thing we do, though, is we actually repurpose a lot of our content. So a good example of that, we've only started doing this maybe in the last six months, as in this example, is now any podcast I do, like three or four or five months later, I turn that into a blog post. And so that, that gives that original podcast or a webinar fresh legs because it's now it's got a new exposure, but it's a different medium. Instead of it being you know, an audio or a video piece, now it's a written piece. But in the process of doing that, you re-consume the content and you get the highlights and you go, damn. The thing we're doing is we're turning a lot of those old webinars and podcasts into eBooks, which are just bigger versions. Like, you know, so the other day, it were like how to do cold calling for insurance was an example, right? So uh, there was I some amazing that. stuff. When I'm doing, when I was going through, this is a true story. When I was going through Jeb Blunt's stuff, I was listening to it on the one-on-one, how to have a one-on-one. And I, and I went and I'm, I, I pinged my team. I'm like, did we ever turn this into an ebook or a blog? And they're like, no, we haven't. I'm like, shit, this is gold. So boom, let's turn this into an ebook. So we're trying to repurpose the content that way, but we're trying to stagger it. But even, like I say, just having the transcription there and the other part of doing that, that book club every week that we're implementing now is to force our reps to consume it. And it sounds lame I have to do that. You know, they're so busy selling. Daryl, you should be happy with that. But I need them to consume it because it will come into play at one point in a, in a sales cycle over and over again. And they need to use this content to show them that VanillaSoft has their shit together. So 100%. They have to be the experts. I mean, they, they have to be the expert footed, you know, when it comes to stuff you're doing. You got it. So I'm not saying it's a perfect answer. You're spot on. It, it is, you know, it's, it's SEO dust right now at this point in time, but we do try to repurpose it to a degree. Got it. Uh, Daryl, man, I mean, this is, hey, if you're out there and you want to figure out how to become a CRO, I mean, hey, that's got to be very lucrative, right? I mean, you, you've got your own yacht and you're sitting on I, the lake. I got my own yacht. Yeah, the really SS well. Yeah. I did get a raise. It was. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be very lucrative for you. So it was right? so lucrative. You know, I'm hoping one day I can afford to do the video-based version of this podcast, and and I'll throw some of my own money there to get you guys a, a camera. So yes. that's that's what I'm really hoping. <laughs> it really is. I I just you know for everybody out there, they're they're hungry. They they want to learn and and they want to figure out how to you know, rise up through the ranks. I mean, hey, folks, Daryl has has laid out the path for you. So this is this is modern CRO in action. So we better tra- tra- transcribe this and make it into an ebook because it really- I'm thinking out that's like- an event. That's a session right there at the next 10 bound yeah. conference, 100%. the modern CRO in action. I love it. I mean, there you go. You can just go back and listen to this. You see what I'm doing there, folks? I'm selling him on having me on his event. See how that works? So that's how you do it. You create the need and then you make it think it's their idea and then you bring it home. You know, Daryl, I have a good idea for you. We need to talk. (laughs) That's brilliant, man. I love it. Well, Daryl, thank you again. Return, Return guests coming on the show, sharing your knowledge. 
how do we get in touch with you if, we, if somebody wants wants to become a CRO? You know, nobody wants to get in touch with me. Who are you kidding? But if they wanted to, because they wanted to, you know, harass me or give me that blackmail material back in my face, LinkedIn, you can always find me on, although by mission, since I've become the CRO, <laughs> my time on LinkedIn has dropped like a rock. You can always follow me on Twitter. My handle there is opinionated, O-H-P-I-N-I-L-N, the number eight, T-E-D. But just Google Daryl Prail. You go to my own, my own DarylPrail.com website. Just Google Prail, P-R-A-I-L-L. And it, you'll find it is far and away, it's sickening how many links are out there. But as I like to tell people, Prail rhymes with sale. And that's what we're all about, baby. <laughs> well, that should be easy to find. Well, thanks again. And thanks for coming on the Sales Development Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.